Hi everybody! Welcome to Busy Living Sopa. Busy Living Sopa. Wheezy, it's just us today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's kind of crazy. It's my anniversary. My 13 years. Today? It'll be my 13 year anniversary. And we're interviewing right before it. I'm I'm 12 days away. Oh. Yeah, 12 days away from my anniversary and I know it's actually 11 days away and um I've been I don't know somebody gave me a really funny thing and it's like pre-medallion syndrome and meaning like pre before you get a coin in the 12-step group you it's you get a coin and they call it a medallion and prior to getting that medallion you always feel a little weird and you know women get PMS and for this guy friend of mine, he's like, I have PMS. And I'm like, what is that? And he said, pre-medallion syndrome. <laughs> and which I thought was really cute. Wasn't it cute? And um, it's interesting because I think back like 13 years ago today, I never thought that I would be sober and having this life that's beyond my wildest dreams. And you being, you know, you're 18 months now. Yeah. And, you know, just to put this into perspective... I was I went to dinner and celebrated your eight year anniversary, um, and just you know knowing that I have a year and eight months, um, but you know that's just a great thing to to see that you know you just don't give up, and even though there were years in between that we didn't that we didn't talk. Um, you know, I know you prayed for me and you told me that all the time, and, every day. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's just me, you know, it doesn't make me feel bad. I mean, there were times when I would think about other people that I, when I first started, um, that came in after me that now are celebrating their four year, you know, anniversaries. And, and, um, and it, initially it, it bothered me because, you know, I just thought, wow, I really wasted time and, you know, I could be there, I could be them right now. But the truth is, I'm only where I'm supposed to be, so I, I don't really count the time so much, but it is amazing that I was there for your eight, eighth year. And now, it's crazy, because we'll have another celebration for my 13th year, but it's in, we were just talking about how, like, how our lives, you know, when you're still in addiction, you can't see the, how it's going to be, anything's ever going to be better. Like, I can say that I never thought I was, like, I really thought I was going to die, like, just being a drunk. I was just never going to change. I was always going to be the same person. I was never going to, because I was too scared. I was like, oh, my God, if I quit drinking, what's my life going to be like? How am I going to live? I don't know how to live a regular life. Like, I don't know how to go to a dinner party and not drink. I don't know how to go to a party and not drink. I don't know how to go to the grocery store and not drink. I don't know how to talk to people and not drink. I don't know how that's not going to be, like, my center focal point of my entire life because it was for so many years. I mean, I was 37 when I got sober. So, and my kids, like, how was I going to deal with being a mom? Like, how was I going to do mom things? How was I going to do anything? And we've been talking about how, prior to doing our podcast today, we've been talking about like how we mend relationships and how we move forward in our lives and how our kids are going to ever, you know, how are they going to forgive us? How are they going to move forward with us? How are they going to finally say, okay, my mom's actually a human being and, or your dad is a human being and they made these mistakes and getting through those mistakes 
and learning forgiveness and learning empathy and learning like what makes us tick. It takes time. Yeah, and and I have a, a friend of mine who's sober and we we always talk about the impact that it had on our, our children and and what it's like now and she has more sobriety than than I do and um, years ago um, you know she she got to a point and she explains it that um, you know it was just it was one more thing one more day of you know her daughter um, making the or just making it about or blaming it whether it was a kind of in a roundabout way or, or, or very blatant but making it about you know her drinking and her you know the past and and it, it you know it was the best thing that ever happened that she finally said you know this is not always going to be about me you know there will be times that you know like my children there are there are times when they they are um that uh, they have their triggers with me whether it's you know falling asleep on the couch when I'm completely sober now but it doesn't it brings up that feeling instantly for them as it does me you know I've mentioned before that I've woken up on the couch after having fallen asleep that you know and sober and I wake up on the couch on the couch and and that sick feeling comes back to me so if I'm feeling that my kids are definitely feeling that as well because they were sober when I was you know drunk so it it's 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 hard but you know i've always said that this too will play itself out you know i can't expect that after a month two months even six months or a year after i got sober for my children to just you know you know just forgive me and and move on and not have those moments where they're wondering you know especially if i get really upset or anxious and they see that in me you know the first thing that they're going to think is is she going to drink um, or if I get upset and I need to, you know, time by myself. I remember one time I left the house just to drive around and I, I went back immediately because I thought this is, this is causing so much stress for them because they're thinking that I'm probably going to go to a liquor store and get a bottle or two or three or four of wine and, and drink it, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard. It is because it's trauma, right? Mm -hmm. It was trauma. I mean, and I think about when I... I was talking about this with the other day with our friend Amy, who we've had on here before. And I was talking to her about how I was so scared to get sober. I was so scared. It was like the scariest thing. Like the fear I had about giving up alcohol was like the scariest thing. I've Like to give it up was like the scariest thing ever because I didn't know what it was going to be like. I was like, what is this going to be like? If I can't and if I have to look at my past... I'm going to break like Humpty Dumpty. Like I'm going to literally break into a million pieces because I'm finally going to have to get quiet and I'm going to have to look at what I did and I'm going to have to take responsibility for it. And I didn't do that right. I mean, I didn't do that right away. I mean, I have to tell you, it took me years. It took me years to really make amends, you know, and really sit down and explain to them what it meant and what, why I, what happened and why I did what I did certain things and, you know, and get to that place where I was like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And I had to tell my kids that because I think the kids put their moms, especially I did. And I still do. I, I want to put my mom on this pedestal. Like she's the mom. Like she's older than me. She's had more life experience than me. Why is she not being godlike or being like a super a superhero? And she can't be a superhero because she's just a human being. Mm -hmm. And I'm just a human being. 
And I, because of my life experiences, I turned to alcohol at a very young age. I mean, at 13, that was like when I first got introduced to booze, it was like, yes, I found Mecca. Like I found perfect heaven on earth. I could live my life and I could not have to have feelings. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I think uh, often that the, the turning point or when it shifted for me with in in my sobriety with my children was when I stopped worrying and I stopped projecting and I stopped thinking about um, how to manage it and how to make it right and how to um, make myself believe that there are things that they're going to forget. Wow, it was great that they were this young because they're not going to remember it. Well, you know, I have my own share, f- fair share of of things that I remember when my mother was drinking that, you know, at a young age, I'll never forget. And so, you know, I've stopped, I've stopped focusing on all that. And I think that's why I love to read that, that, um, yesterday, today, tomorrow, um, reading, because it it just, it, it really grounds you in today. And there is nothing you can do to speed up the process. There's nothing you can do there just isn't and you have to just accept it and and understand and have faith that you know the years to come and it, it might be 10 years it could be 20 years who knows i'm still feeling things that i experienced when i you know and and that we're talking 30 30 years ago 40 years ago um so it's just nice now that i have that that peace and that calm that i don't have to overthink the impact I had on my children. I'm not trying to deny it. I'm the first one to step up and own it. But that, you know, it it just has to run its course. And and that's that's where everything starts to feel so much better for me because I get that much more comfortable in my sobriety and, you know, keeping that door cracked to, to know what it was like. And it was, you know, it was awful for them at times um but it was awful for us at times too exactly and i think that um forgiving ourselves is like the biggest one and i think that once we get to that place that we forgive ourselves that our kids can forgive us too because it's like okay so mom isn't carrying this around so i can't manipulate her because she's like oh i can say oh well you did this when you were younger you did this to me or you did that to me and owning it gives them, it makes them say, they can't go and manipulate that anymore. They can't say, this is because you are drunk. Well, okay, I was, but now we're in today. And we're going to forgive, I forgave me, so why can't you forgive me? Right, and I think that the that kids, and even as young as my kids are and were, that, you know, the, the what happens with them and how they go from being scared feeling hopeless, feeling um, just embarrassed or all those things that they felt while I was drinking, you know, slowly now they, they it's, it's turned into such a, an admiration for me. They've watched me in the beginning. They didn't understand. I mean, they didn't understand the disease part of it. They just, they were too young to even wrap their head around that. So for them, they looked at me as making a choice and I was choosing alcohol over them. And as they got older and were really, and I was honest and, and upfront with them and 
took them through the process as best I could when I was getting sober and I went to rehab that they really understood it and once they understood the disease and once they understood the 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 work that was that was that I put into getting sober you know their respect for me and their admiration for me is greater than than it would have ever been had none of that ever happened I believe that oh yeah oh, I totally I, I agree with you 100% but the fear still of giving it up in the very beginning was still like I can still remember it and I can still remember going out and talking about the disease part of it like I remember going out and literally swearing that I was only going to have one drink and then waking up the next morning going, I did it again. Because I remember having that feeling of like, I want to, the more, right? Like, I couldn't have one. I didn't, I could never have, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I had one at times. But I don't remember, I don't even really, that's kind of a lie. No, I don't remember just having one. I never remember having one. I never drink, I never remember drinking like, just one drink. Like I hear people talk about like, oh, they order one drink and it sits there all night. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I would have finished that and been on to the next one before I even finished that one. I would have made sure that I had somebody bringing me another one. Because I just, that, that, that feeling of like, I just have to have more. Like that's the disease part. It was nothing to do with me and my control issues or anything like that. And I don't think that alcoholics understand that. Like it has nothing to do with willpower. Mm -hmm. I mean, because no. I, I can remember on on any given Sunday, um, you know, if I was handed a Bloody Mary at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning um, by my ex-husband, I, I didn't even... I didn't even take the drink and think, wow, this is nice to have a Bloody Mary. I was thinking, how many more can I have and how much vodka is left in the bottle and how many is that going to mean that I can have for the rest of the day? Like, this is the mind of an alcoholic. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're not even enjoying the moment. You're already, you know, you're already at the liquor store getting the next bottle because this one is only half full or half empty, however you want to look at it. You know, so it, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's how much time it took. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I remember before I'd go out, I'd have to have, I'd have to have two bottles at my house before I went out. I'd go to the liquor store and buy the cheapest bottles. I didn't, cause at that point I didn't care, but I'd buy, I'd buy one, I'd have one bottle while I was getting ready. So I drink an entire bottle of wine. I go out, I come home and I drink the other bottle. Now I'd be in and out of blackouts the entire time. I and mean, we talked about how you were in Hawaii once and you were like, you don't understand. I was in Hawaii and I was stuck there and I went in and out of being drunk, hung over, drunk, hung over. And I remember that too. Like it was, but the idea that I was going to ever quit was not there because if I quit, what was that going to look like? What would I, what would I do with the, all that time? What would I do with the feeling? Like, I didn't even know what a feeling was. I only knew what it meant to be cold or hot. I had no idea what, like, feeling sad was, was feeling depressed was, being in my head. Like, what does that mean, be in your head? I had and, no idea what any of that could, meant. And I could remember talking to my father when we were at the beach, and it was after a, a, a real crappy night at the beach, and my drinking um, was... Um, out of control and I remember saying to my father that now at this point I didn't even I wanted to quit I knew that that was the only way my life was ever going to get better but at that point in my life I thought to myself 
it will never be me. It's just not going to be me because I really felt absolutely 100% that I was one of those people, what do they say, constitutionally incapable of being honest, being honest and, and, and also just not being able to, that, that, that there's some people that just can't get sober, like physically or whatever it is, this disease does, it's, it's too big for them. It's, I mean, and I, I've seen it because I've, I've, you know, witnessed friends dying and, and, you know, all that stuff. And, and it's, and it's horrible, but I thought I was one of those, I was in that category. I was part of that statistic of, of the unlucky ones that, that never really got it. And I can remember telling my father, looking him in the eyes and saying, I am sorry. I am, I am one of those people and I don't think I'll ever be able to get sober. Pretty much saying to my father that I am going to die. I won't get out of this alive. Oh my God, that makes me cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, because it's so, we, there's no way, we think there's no way out. I mean, both of my grandmothers died of alcoholism, you know, they never got sober. And, you know, they were productive members of society and they went and they did their stuff. I mean, my grandmother lived to be 94, but still, it was like there was no way out. She never quit. And to think for the, and I thought that was going to be me. Like I was never going to be able to stop. I was never going to be able to have a life that was going to be fulfilling and amazing. And, you know, all the trouble I got into, crashing cars. I mean, just doing stupid stuff that I did and getting myself into situations that I never would have done sober. And now knowing and looking back and going, oh my gosh, wow, 13 years later, I am so grateful. I am just so grateful to have people like you in my life. I'm just so grateful. I have real friends. Like, we have real conversations. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about, like, what kind of jeans are you going to wear today? You know, we do obviously talk about clothes. <laughs> but, you know, it's that's not the fundamentals of our, like, life. I mean, when we meet new people and we're going and we're dating again, I mean, I know you're now dating again, and it's so exciting to watch, and I'm, like, so happy for you. I can't even hold it inside because I, like, watch you and you're so happy. Like, I really have genuine happiness for my friends today. It's not that I want something from anybody. I just want to be like with people that love me unconditionally. And I don't put myself in situations where there, where there aren't people that are like that. I just can't. Like I want to be with people that want to raise me up and like want to be on the same path as me and like are spiritually like wanting to grow more spiritually. Like that's the inside stuff. Like so many people spend their entire lives on the outside outfit, which is of course important to me still because I do care about what my outward appearance is. But when I was drinking, it was all about the outside and it wasn't about the inside. There was no depth. There was no depth to conversations. There wasn't real talk about like, okay, I'm going to tell you a quote and we're both going to talk about, oh my gosh, what does that quote mean to you? Like before that was corny. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, what, like seeing another person get like sober just one day. I see somebody come in and they get one day and you see them in their, their eyes. And I remember my eyes being so empty and hollow and looking in the mirror. And I remember you talking about that too. Like when you looked in the, in the wind, in the glass, when you were washing, right. I will never forget that yeah. when you were looking in the window and like how closed our soul was. Yeah, there was n there was nothing behind the eyes. There was, there was nothing there. It was so it was so dead. Um, 
and I can see it in other people and it you know I have I have such an empathy for such empathy for people that are that are struggling right now because you know a lot of what it is to me personally is is what I was stuck in and which was I didn't think there was ever going to be something better than I, I couldn't see it I, I couldn't think about it I I you know besides the fact of what I just said and thinking that my body or I was incapable of getting sober you know just on top of that I just never saw my life being um, without all this clamor and all this this the you know conversations in my head and all this stuff that you know that that I would never be peaceful I would never you know when they say you know you fake it till you make it you know I just thought I'd be faking it forever and I would never make it and now you're making it mm -hmm. you're making it and you're doing it every day and some days aren't easy I know yesterday was kind of a tough day for you. I mean, you, you had a lot going on and it was in a situation that you really didn't want. And if you want, could change somebody, you really wish that you could change that person you were with and that the person's very close to you. And then realizing that you just are just, okay, what can I do to get through this? Like if you're in a situation that's tough, like just get through it. Don't drink over it. Talk to somebody about it. Like, and that was the biggest, my biggest problem. And I think it's obviously, well, I mean, some people don't relapse because something comes up and something that they can't handle or can't, you know, um, that the, the anxiety comes up for them. I mean, I know some people, even myself, I drank for no reason. Um, I just did. And, um, you know, but, but I definitely, I definitely feel for people that, that get into situations or, you know, in their sobriety are faced with some horrible circumstances, painful circumstances, whether it's death or, you know, anything, a loved one getting sick. And, but, but how do you get through that? That was the scariest thing to me. I, I mean, on a daily basis, I thought, wow, you know, I'm doing well. But God forbid something happens that I'm not going to be able to handle. Um, how, what, how, what's going to happen? Am I going to drink again? You know, but, but with the program, you know, and just reaching out to other people in your situation, you find people that, you know, I have a really good friend whose, whose daughter, you know, tragically passed away and, um, you know, she was sober at the time and she didn't drink. I mean, that to me is just, it's unbelievable that, that, you know, that would be the time where everybody would gasp and say, okay, this is, this, this is going to be when she drinks, this is going to be her relapse. And it wasn't, you know, that is amazing to me. And so that strength from her helps me on a daily basis. Whenever something comes up, I mean, it's, it's never going to be that bad. It's never going to be as, as horrible and tragic and, and devastating as what she went through. I, and if she can get through it, I certainly can get through it. We can all get through it. But we have to be, find somebody we can talk to. I mean, when my head gets crazy, I can call you. I've got a handful of friends that I know I can call at any time and tell them exactly how I'm feeling. And they're going to listen and they're going to help me. And they're going to say to me nine out of ten times, a lot of people say to me, you know, write it down. Because once you write it down, you can be like, okay, now that I'm looking at it on paper, it really isn't that bad.
right? I mean, I understand if one of my kids died, I always, and I'm catastrophized my kids a lot because, well, I'm a mom and I just think it's just part of our nature. And you hear tragic stories that happen to people. So you obviously then say, oh my God, that could happen to me. And what do I do with those feelings? And I have to talk about them. Like I have to say, sometimes I'll say to my husband, oh my God, this is what I was thinking. I know it's absolutely crazily insane, but this is what I'm thinking. And he'll say, okay, let's talk about it. And I'll get it out there. But it's the worst when you keep it to yourself. And that's what I did for 37 years before I got sober. I just was like, all right, I'm going to drink this feeling away. I'm going to drink it because I'm not going to feel it. Because if I feel it, it's too much. It's too painful. But once I get once I got sober and I could talk about the things, they weren't as painful. It didn't seem to be as hard. I mean, I thought all this stuff, I, I was the only person who had gone through it. Nobody was like me. I was different. I was my own unique self. And nobody had been through anything that I had been through. And that I had to keep it all to myself. Because if I told anybody, they for one, think I'm crazy. Or they'd lock me up in an insane asylum and put a straitjacket on me. And I would be alone and by myself and scared for the rest of my life. Well, and, and the reality is that, you know, most everybody that I know that's, that's recovering has the same story. I mean, it's, it's slightly different, but the same story that we all wanted to medicate ourselves. We all wanted to push whatever it was, you know, as far down as we could get it. And we did that successfully, we thought, through drinking. You know, at least I'll have tonight where I don't have to think about it. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then maybe tomorrow I'll just drink again, so I won't have to think about it again. So, you know, that, I think that is, the, the reality is that once we do get sober, that truthfully is one of the biggest, I think the biggest fears. Because if, if that's what we were doing when we were actively drinking and were causing such chaos in our life and um, that that on the the flip side of it when we're sober the one thing that we are the most scared of I think personally is is how we are going to manage those feelings when we when we are up against them no matter what it is it could be related to your job it could be your work you know like it could be anything and how do you get through it and it's scary it's scary because they don't teach us in school how to deal with our feelings. They just don't. Well, and that's what I've always said about going to the, the prison, that because they don't, they don't teach them or talk about, they don't even teach, forget about teaching, just having people be able to talk and talk amongst each other and, and figure out what they're, what they're going to do when they get out and they're faced with the same things that they used and drank over prior to going into this controlled environment where they can't do anything. I mean, you know, they're, they're sober in there. Some people love being in there for that very reason, alone, because they know they can't use. And so, you know, to get out of there and not have any of the tools, not have any of the support, which a lot of them are faced with, or, you know, that's their story, it, it, it doesn't, it, it certainly makes sense why they come back. They go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you know what that made me realize is that, you know, when I was drinking today, I, I really, for, there's two things I think about. One is that I felt like I was in a battle with Mike Tyson. 
meaning the bottle was like my Mike Tyson. I wanted to be able to drink it properly, and how was I ever going to drink it properly and be okay? And I couldn't beat it. I couldn't beat it. There was never enough. There will never be enough. I will never be able to get to Mecca drinking. It's done. It's Mike Tyson. It will win. I will get in the ring, and it will kick my ass every time. And the second thing I relate to when I look back at my life then, I was in prison. I was in my own private prison because I couldn't live my life. I could only live my life with getting booze. And it took up like we just talked about. Like how much time did it take to think about? Like when you were just talking about getting the vodka, was there going to be enough vodka? Like that was me. Was there going to be enough of this? How am I going to deal with being enough? And then waking up the next morning going, oh my God, what did I just do again? Oh my God, I just did it again. And then thinking about alcohol. Am I going to have alcohol? Am I not going to have alcohol? How am I going to have the alcohol? I mean, just the entire thing was like living in prison. And the place that I learned the tools, and people hate to hear this, it's like people are like, I, I just, I'm on this Facebook group that it's with sober moms and stuff. And it says like some of the, somebody just wrote, is there any other way to do it except for AA? And all these people are writing in like self-help and all the rest of it. Is there anything better than a 12-step meeting? And I'm going to tell you this. I did not learn any of the stuff that I talk about on this podcast on my own. This was everything that I say, 100% of it, pretty much, I've learned from somebody else. This is not all my original thoughts. I've learned this from somebody else. I would not have been able to be sober today if I didn't have 12-step meetings. There's no way in hell if I did not go and ask somebody else for help. And that's what takes courage. And I just want to finish with this. Everybody that's out there that's listening and that has written to me, our friend George, who, I don't even know where George lives. George Does George live in Canada? I think he does. He lives somewhere in the north. Maybe he lives in Minnesota or something. I think we have another friend that we haven't heard from in a while who's also in the Great Lakes region. We have our friend in Texas who I love. And I haven't heard from her, but I want to tell Big D down in Texas. I'm thinking about her. The chicken lady. All of you guys. I mean, every person that I've met in my life, I want to say thank you. Because without you guys, I would never be okay. I would not be okay because I couldn't do this journey by myself. I need you. I need you, and I want anybody out there that feels alone, please don't feel alone. We are here, and that's why we do this day. You know, I don't want to say day in and day out because we don't do this podcast day in and day out, but we do it once a week or twice a week, and we want you to know that we're here, and we don't want you to be alone and think that you have to die by yourself without a solution. It is possible. And it's the one, I mean, really, one of the very things that I look forward to is doing this because like we've said you know even if it's one person that we touch one person live you know life we save it's it's so worth it and it's just such a it's the only reason we're here right like I, this beats any pair of whatever i could buy in a store this is all priceless so please, if you're out there and you're listening, please write to us and we will write back and we'll call you. We'll do whatever whatever you need us to do. And you can reach us at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com. And that's B-U-S-Y. And until next week, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.